Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nina Pantic. This episode will feature my co-host, Irina Falcone, and our special guest, Tim Cass. Tim is a general manager of the USTA National Campus in Lake Nona, Florida. He has a crazy rich history in tennis, and our focus today is mostly on college tennis, which has been hit really hard by the pandemic, and it's something that the USTA has put a pretty big priority on. Tim played college tennis at the University of New Mexico and then became a coach there before becoming a coach at Texas A&M for 10 years. He has been at Lake Nona since its opening in 2016 and can tell us firsthand what his job entails and how he's pushed for college tennis to become a bigger deal. The USTA National Campus is proud to have 100 tennis courts and will be the host of the NCAA Division I tournament in 2021 if that happens. They also have plans to host the Division III championship in 2022, as well as the Division I, II, and III NCAA championships in 2023. Feels far away, but it's really not. So let's hear from Tim Cass, someone who knows everything there is to know about college tennis. All right, Tim, welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. It is awesome to have you joining us today. Nina, thank you. Excited to be here. So are you in Lake Nona? Should we assume that looks like you are? Well, that's what you see behind me. This is our working board of the campus, 64 acres and 100 tennis courts behind us. So uh, believe it or not, almost been open four years. And you moved there for the purpose of being the general manager of the UST National Campus. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, that, that is exa- exactly why I moved here. I uh, have a tennis background. I played junior tennis in Southern California, and then I went to the University of New Mexico uh, and played there, and then I coached at New Mexico for eight years, coached at Texas A&M for 10 years, and then I got out of coaching, and I went back to my alma mater, New Mexico, and ran the day-to-day operations as the chief operating officer at the University of New Mexico, and then um, left there to come to the USTA. So this is sort of a combination of my tennis and administrative background kind of rolled in one. You say that it's been almost four years that the national campus has been open, which is insane. I was there when they were still like putting the courts up and everything. And it's just four years has gone by fast. How have you enjoyed your position? And tell us about what you kind of like take care of being the general manager. Well, when I started, which was almost five years ago, I started a year before we opened. I actually had black hair. Um, so. As you can see, I don't have many black hairs left. Um, you know, it, it has been literally the most intense uh, four and a half, five years of my life. Um, it, super exciting. I mean, this is a, a big vision, honestly, for America to have this, this tool. Um, as you well know, as, as great players, this didn't exist and you could argue why did it not exist and and so for us to, to build this uh, and really try to bring together 
tennis in America and have a home for tennis in America, uh, whether it's the high performance space and the player development space, whether it's community tennis, now that they're all officed here and all the community programming we're doing, youth tennis, adult tennis, college tennis, which I know is our subject today, has really become one of the, the cornerstones of the campus, playing 400 plus dual matches at the campus annually, numerous conference championships, and, and throughout the years we, we will host division one, two, and three championships. And so it, there's, there's so many pieces of our puzzle uh, adaptive. We got a, an ITF uh, grade four going on as we speak right now. There's just always something happening and, and having a hundred courts with all these, these different surfaces. It's just a super, super exciting uh, facility. And, and I'm, I'm proud to be the one that's responsible for trying to put the pieces together. And that's really what it is. It's, it's putting the pieces together. And, uh, I know you've both been here and I hopefully you've seen it on some of those weekend days where you look out there and a hundred tennis courts are activated and you might look on the 36 foot courts and you see four and five year olds learning to play the game. And then we get to look over and watch you train with, you know, CC Bellis or somebody like that. And then you, you, you look over and you've got a, you know, a junior tournament happening and you got an adult league championship happening and you got college match day happening. It's a pretty cool place. What all has the USTA done to help promote the game of college tennis? You've mentioned hosting the NCAA championships. What else is happening there that's promoting it? Well, it, in my opinion, college tennis is a re- unique piece of our ecosystem. It's the aspirational dream for our youth. So when you all were coming up, you know, in the back of your mind, it was maybe I want to be a professional, but you know what, playing college sports is pretty cool. And, and that's what I may be pointing towards. And, and that's common in America, especially kind of the dream, whether you're a basketball player, football player, or tennis player. And so, so we believe showcasing college tennis is important for our youth. But then it's also this connective tissue, the 18 to 22 year olds are, are a real target market for making a career in tennis. The two of you are great examples of that. Uh, not only as a playing career, but it looks like you're probably on the way to a successful broadcast career. And, and so there's many careers in, in, in our sport, and it's, it's, that, it's that springboard to a career in tennis. And then it's also a springboard college tennis to, to stay in the game for life. So when you look at our, our ecosystem for college tennis, we touch it in so many different ways, whether it's the junior space, whether it's the high-performance space. In term, terms of, of promoting it, uh, I think we spend a, a great deal of time, especially right now, in educating parents on the opportunity and players and private coaches on the bevy of opportunities, not just in Division One, but in Division Two, II, Division Three tennis on campus, which is a great product, and also what we call professional tennis management. There's numerous schools out there you can get a degree in in professional tennis management, which is a springboard to a career in tennis. Uh, and then obviously the, the event space that we're very active in, our relationship space and advocating our relationship with the tennis channel. We believe showcasing college tennis is good for the ecosystem. I think people aren't aware of the level of play and the excitement and the brands that are out there. Um, so those are a few that come to mind. I'm sure I'm missing a couple off the top of my head, but, but definitely it's a, it's a critical piece to our ecosystem in tennis in America. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hi, everyone. You're listening to an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with USTA National Campus General Manager, Tim Cass. He's telling us what are the ins and outs of his job in Lake Nona. Keep listening. Nina, you can probably attest to this. When I was looking, when I I was a junior and was looking to go to college, there was a little bit of a stigma of, oh, wow, she didn't make it um, as a professional player, so she's going to college. And it's been incredible to see the change that has happened in the last 12 to 15 years where people are actually like, hey, go to college, get a degree, get experience, and then turn professional if that's what you choose to do. What do you think was the shift? Like what initiated that shift in thinking? And there, there's been a lot of change, I think, in that regard. Are you, Arena? Are you asking me or Nina the question? Um, oh, I'm I, asking. I'm asking you. Yes, I'm asking you the well, question. And, and I'd, I'd be curious of Nina's uh, response as well, to be honest, or both of your responses, because I agree it has shifted, and I think it's a, it's shifted even more recently on the female side, if that's fair to say. I think with the success of Danielle and uh, Jen Brady, you know, I think it's it's it, it, it's become a, a logical route. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm a 12-year-old, I'm a very, very good player, that it's okay to say, I want to go to college. It, there's nothing wrong with that. And, and that doesn't mean you don't want to be a professional tennis player. You know, it's, it's, there, there's a lot of great things, clearly education being one of them. And I think on the male side, it also has been propped up really probably maybe the, more of the last eight years with Stevie Johnson or, or, or Isner. Uh, tennis Sandgren, some others, you know, it has helped it. So it's, it is a viable pathway, but I think more importantly, college athletics is, is a great dream for our kids. It's a great dream. You know, if you're, you know, if you're not LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, 98% of the NBA players went to college and, and used it as a springboard. And so it's okay. And I think mentally we've got to, allow that to be part of our culture that it's okay because clearly and I, I'm aging myself, but I know coming up myself, you were viewed as a failure if you thought you were going to go to college and instead of just going to the pros. But I would like Nina to answer. I think it's a combination of things. I think part of it is the aging of the game. You know, you're seeing Serena and Federer playing yeah. into their almost forties. I think that's part of it. And part of it might also be the boom of media and access to being able to watch college matches, listen to people like us talk on podcasts and prop up the game of college tennis. Because I saw the NCAA finals on TV when I was a teenager, and I don't think I really thought about it that much until I saw it, you know, visually. I think that's a big part, just how we've adapted our, you know, our, our absorption of sports online and on, on TV. I don't know, I don't know what I, you think. I, yeah, I agree. I think the longevity piece is is, is very true that, now you're seeing pay, people play till their mid thirties, you know, even later. And, and really you all can speak to this better. I think both genders are just peaking later. It, 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 this idea that I'm going to peak at 18, 19 or 20, that's just simply not the case. I don't think anymore. 
And also you have to think about how many more schools are open to the idea of, hey, come for a year, come for a semester, you'll still get your education. I mean, if you decide to go professional, the professional route, I think a lot of players are like, okay, that kind of alleviates a lot of pressure off me. If I decide to stay, great. I get a four-year paid-for education. If I decide to leave, I can come back whenever I want to. Yeah, personally, I remember thinking going to college was a failure because I was not going to go pro after. That wasn't really the plan. But now when I see how things have changed, I'm like, oh, if I'd gone like 10 years later, maybe I wouldn't have felt that way. If I'd gone to a different school or a different, I don't know. It's it's definitely better to see people taking advantage of it as a stepping stone. But lately, things have definitely changed. You know, with COVID, obviously, I've heard about something like 60 programs being cut and tennis is not making money at colleges. That's an obvious fact. What's your take on how college tennis will survive this pandemic, Tim? I'm asking. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is concerning, truthfully. And so there, there have been. It's been about 65 programs, uh, predominantly all divisions. So not just Division One, uh, two and three. The, the good news, and for your audience, there are 2,000 Division One, two and three programs. So from a percentage standpoint, it's not a large percentage number. But that being said. 65 programs is 65 programs. And if you do quick math, 10 people per program, that's 650 opportunities lost. You know, that's 130 jobs lost uh, in our ecosystem. If, if, if each were had a budget of two or 300,000, that's millions of dollars lost that was being spent on our sport. So it's, it is concerning. Um, and, and these are very secretive. This is me putting my administrative hat on back when I was in, in the athletic department administration. These are not things that are, are, are talked about in public. These are behind the scene decisions being made. And then they're, they're really surprises. I mean, I think University of Minnesota is probably the most striking one of late. And then Fresno State last week, you know, there's no warning. And so advocating for our sport, uh, it is critical, I think, propping our sport up, but also educating athletic directors and conference commissioners of the value of the sport. It's great student athletes. They go on to be very successful folks in the, in, in the working world. We need tennis players to give back to their programs, not just financially, give back to your universities, be engaged on boards and letterman's associations, be, be, be involved is, is very, very important. Um, and I wish, and, and something we're doing, we're actually putting together what we're going to call a playbook for, for options for athletic directors and conference commissioners to, to look at besides just going from 60 to zero, meaning, okay, we've got a tennis program, we're going to cut it. What are the options between 60 and zero where you still can have a successful tennis program, a great student athlete experience? And as an example, maybe reduce scholarships, you know, on the men's side it's four and a half, maybe you reduce to three or two and a half, and maybe you add back four or five years as we get out of COVID. Um, maybe you, you reduce, rather than two coaches, you do reduce to one coach and a grad assistant coach. You're still filling some opportunities, but you reduce that expense. Regionalize your play. Tennis teams have gotten way too national in their scale of their travel. It's okay, there's great play regionally, Let's focus on regionalizing play. So are there some steps like that that you can take where you can go from 60 to 30, still to deliver a great student athlete experience, carve off maybe half of your expenses, and then add back on? That's something that we're passionate about right now. We're also passionate about 
70% of the college facilities do not use their facility. It's not open to the public. It's primarily for the team and or PE or rec sports. We believe that if you open your facility to the public and program it and have youth programming after school, adult programming, tournaments, faculty and staff events, maybe a professional tennis management program at your school that's running this facility, all of a sudden it elevates the status of the sport on that university. And it also philanthropically connects you better to the community where you're able to maybe raise some more dollars to support the program. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everybody. You're listening to an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with Tim Cass. He's telling us what it takes to make college tennis a bigger deal in America. Keep listening for more. I was just going to just make a comment because I was actually going to ask you, how do you think we can help get college tennis back on its feet? And you totally answered the question. Um, but I mean, even though we do, we are all suffering through this global pandemic to be able to host the 2021 NCAAs. I mean, that's a big deal. That's got to be exciting. And I'm just curious, like how much work went into making that happen still? Because I mean, a lot of people didn't even know that there was going to be a tennis season next year. And so to actually be able to host an event of that um, capacity, I mean, that's got to be huge. Well, we, we hope there's a season in the, in the spring arena. We really do. And and, and again, it's our opportunity. In 2019, we hosted the Division One Championship, and it, and it was the first time that it was ever on Tennis Channel, our partnership with the Tennis Channel. It was on for 10 straight days, over 70 hours of coverage, which um, and over 2 million viewers. We, we felt like that was very impactful. Again, this aspirational dream for our youth. You could be anywhere in America and, and you know have an opportunity to watch and see what college tennis so this time around, 21 May, I guess roughly six, seven months from now, um, it's probably more pressure on us, you know, coming off of COVID. Um, how do we deliver? We don't know if we're going to be able to have fans in the stands at this point. Hopefully we will, you know, in May. But how do we deliver a championship, number one, that's impactful to the student athletes, where they leave having an incredible experience and a memory but if we're lucky enough to have crowds also taken into account the crowds, and then if we're lucky enough to broadcast it, how do we, how do we celebrate this championship in a way that, that is good for the sport? And, and I know you know this, we're, we're equally as excited about the, the new bid process and the bids that came out, and we've been awarded the 2023 NCAA Division One, Two, and Three championship. We put in a very unique bid and said, hey, what would it be like if all three divisions were at the same place at the same time over really, I think a 16 day period is what our bid is for. And at the same time, we're gonna use the 32 clay courts to host three junior events to showcase our junior players. So all the college coaches, the 300, 400 college coaches that are here with their teams can now you know, look out and recruit the, the junior players. 
And at the same time, the ITA, the Intercollegiate Tennis uh, Associate, Coach Association, is going to have their convention. And so they're, they're going to bring their convention uh, to Orlando at that same time. So now we become this educational hub for over the 16-day period and really just create a, a celebration of tennis, I believe, that we, we will have never seen and very excited about that. And hopefully the 2021 and then in 2022, we host the Division Three Championship that those will help us prepare for the 2023 combined championship. That almost sounds like the tennis Olympics, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Well, we're going to bring your podcast here for uh, as long as you're not out playing. We want to bring the podcast here live as many days as we can. We will We'd be love there. that. Yeah, there's an amazing studio. We've used that studio in at Lake Nona. And I've also noticed Tennis Channel Studio that has been put up there recently. <laughs> How... What's the process to getting your matches, college matches on Tennis Channel? Is it all about scheduling in terms of not being in, in a fight against a big tournament, an ATP tournament or WTA tournament? How do you get on there? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a great question. So we're, we have a wonderful partnership uh, the United States Tennis Association does with Tennis Channel. And then specifically the campus has a, a partnership as well. And so it, this relationship is evolving. Our priority was the NCAA championships, and we've, we've successfully been able to deliver on that. Um, we also have partnered on College Match Day. I think uh, I know. I think or at least one or both of you maybe have uh, done color or some piece of that uh, for them and delivered on that. And and we want to grow that product. We actually want to grow it nationally, not just from the campus. And so we're working with them on. Imagine if there was a 10-week match of the week, Tuesday nights across the country, you know, where uh, Georgia Tech is, is playing UCLA and it's the two, you know, number two versus number four, and there's a big crowd and that's in, in Westwood and it's on Tennis Channel. But every Wednesday night have kind of like a Monday night football, if you will, version of, of that uh, is something that we're working with. We also think there's some soft programming that could be interesting for the sport of tennis but specifically college tennis of doing, you know, a magazine type show, if you will, that could be weekly during the team season that tells the stories, talks about the brands, gets behind the scenes uh, and, and just kind of makes the players and the coaches come to life a little bit. That's awesome. We've got That's to compete. Really cool. Yeah. We've got to compete with, uh, with basketball and college sports. And there's no reason why tennis can't start making its way in terms of popularity up there. It, it's such an amazing format. I know they've changed it since me and Irina played. There's a lot faster. And I think the problem used to be that people would watch doubles and then leave because they weren't sure what was going on. And doubles is obviously more fun. So what's your take on the format of college tennis? Do you wish something else was changed to make it even more TV friendly? Or do you think that we're good at this point? Well, it's a good it's a good question, truthfully. And uh, doubles, your, your comment about doubles being more fun and, and possibly even more fun for the fans, I think throws the wrench into the puzzle a little bit because specifically when you're talking about TV and knowing that you have a window of time and and um, and so it's it's one that we wrestle with. It's not it's not our necessarily position to, I guess maybe it's our position to influence it, but it's, it's one that the coaches wrestle with, I know, and it's one that the ITA wrestles with. Um, so I don't necessarily have an answer. I do like, I'm a, a very big proponent. If you don't try something, you never know. 
Um, and so we do see a lot of fans still leave after doubles, Nina. Um, that is concerning. Um, there's not many sports that, that are kind of broken up that this way where X amount of your time is here and it's, you know, in theory, it's one seventh of your score. And then, oh, we're going to play six sevenths of your score after a break. It's a, it's a little bit odd. But I also think that this is not an easy one to solve. It really isn't. Um, and, and doubles is such a, a key component of college tennis. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, as you well know, we all wish ten the, the tennis season had a true break. In reality, it doesn't really have a true break. And it's 12 months a year. And so if, if, you, if the team season is, is one way and the other eight months of the year is, is more doubles heavy, is that a possibility? I think there's some ideas out there. That's a really, really good question uh, because we need fans and we need people to stay. It is so hard to get them to come and you don't want them to leave before the match has got to the climax and, and the best part and where the drama is really happening. Has there ever been an idea to either do singles first or do a singles match next to a doubles match at the same time and do it like that just to spice things up a little bit? Absolutely. And, you know, I would tell you, <laughs> if you talk to Billie Jean King, she would say, let's play world team tennis format. And, and you know, there, there's some merit to that. And there's some merit to that maybe being carved out into a small part, portion of the 12-month calendar uh, to, to celebrate. You know, mixed doubles, I think, is, is one of the greatest unknown products there is. And it's, a, it's super fun, in my opinion. Um, and could that even be part of college tennis? I, I'm not trying to muddy the waters, but, but there is discussion uh, about what if singles were first and what if, if it was tied at three all, there was some sort of overtime like most sports and you put all three doubles teams out for a match tiebreaker and those three doubles teams decided it in, in a 10 or 12 minute period. It, it's intriguing to me. I, I, I would like to try that. I'd like to try that with 2,000 people in the stands and see what the reaction would be. And I'd like to try it on live, live TV. I'm not saying that's the right format. You know, there is discussion about, you know, four singles and two doubles. Uh, you, I'm sure you've heard of five singles and one doubles. Um, and those may be uh, good formats as well where those are simultaneous. So you're not playing doubles and then singles, and so now you maybe are in a window of time. Um, and, th and there's pluses and minuses, I think, to all of it. Um, but we, one of the things, back to the number of programs that are being affected by COVID, is we know we need to bring eyes and interest to our sport, and we need to make it exciting. I don't think people recognize the level of play uh, in, in college tennis, even down to Division Three, it's incredible level of play, and and the dual match is the exciting piece. Representing your school and wearing your school colors and that team competition is what we need to celebrate. I want to see college tennis combine like traditional style that we have now with like the ultimate tennis showdown format with the Australian Open music festival vibe. You know, I think, and then I, we, Marina and I went to Midland this year in ITF in, uh, in the kind of the middle of nowhere, but they do a really cool thing where they have everyone kind of show up for a big party. And then once the match starts, they close that room and everyone has to come to the court. I'm like, that is yep. genius. There's so many, obviously we don't know anything about what goes into you being a general manager of the USTA and 
controlling things like this and influencing things like this, but we have crazy ideas. So it's been, it's been fun to catch up and talk to you. And most of all, we're really excited and hopeful that the 2021 college tennis season happens, but at least we have 2022 and 2023 also in Lake Nona. So that's super exciting. Yeah. Thank you very much. I enjoyed uh, my time with you. We're excited to see what 2021 holds for college tennis. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you all very much. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team editor and audio designer and video editor Christina Koseva, producers Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.